Jesus, thank you. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are Lord of all. You're the Lord of my life, and you're the Lord of all of these sisters' lives, and, and yet you're our shepherd, our friend. You are everything we need. And so, Lord, we just love your word, and we know that you are the word. So everything that we learn today is all about you, and we want it to flesh out in our lives. We want to live it out. So we just pray you change us as we dig deeper and deeper. Thank you for your word. May it go forth with your love and your grace right now by your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Fill us all afresh this moment, this hour. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So, so Aaron gave me the topic, grace and suffering well. Shoo! So that's, those are some heavy topics. And so just like Aaron was sharing about the attack, and we know everything is filtered through the Father's fingers, so nothing is um, without his permission. But I've had the experience this week to uh, live out grace and suffering well and I'm still wanting to learn more because and that's it it's we need him moment by moment um first John 1 16 tells us that in his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace I love that saying grace upon grace um grace is not the starting point it's not the ending point it's the whole point we need grace every day to live for Jesus and by the power of his spirit. So it's just, he gives us everything we need and it's all in here and it's all by his spirit and his love and his grace. And so, um, so grace is an inexhaustible topic in the word of God, but I had a great time finding it in uh, Ephesians. And then I listened to one teacher and he said, grace is in the epistle uh, of Ephesians more than any of the other epistles. I'm like, yeah, okay, good. So I should be able to find it. <laughs> so I found it in chapters one and chapters three, the most, like three or four times in each of those. I mean, it's in chapter two, Rose, thank you. That was awesome. The gospel. And it's all about, it's all about the gospel. By grace, we've been saved through faith. I love that point you made through faith, not by faith, through faith just believing. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him to, as righteousness. So what work did Abraham do? He believed God. The disciples came to Jesus and said, what must we do to work the works of God? And he said, there's one work, believe on the name of Jesus Christ. And so I can do that. I can. So, and grace, we all know the meaning of it, right? So unmerited, unearned favor. Um, I love that acronym. I don't want to hold that. So, you know, when you have G-R-A-C-E, do you know what that, the acronym for that? Anybody? So God's, so grace. So you write down G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's all because of Jesus. So, um, and we have these riches, and that's what we're going to read about. So we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, right? Chapter 1. Um, let's just go there real quick, and we're going to dig in just to get our minds set on grace. And we're going to read chapter 1. Um, just read along with me. I'm going to just read a few verses. I'm going to go 5. Let's go verse 5 um, through 8. 
He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Who's the beloved? Christ. We're in Christ. In Christ, in him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. So he has lavished on us this grace according to the riches of his grace. And I think it's in chapter 2, verse 7, that it says, so you can flip the page or go to chapter 2, verse 7, so in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So ladies, we have a whole eternity to discover and search out the riches of God's grace, the inheritance that we have. And it's an awesome inheritance. I can't even, what's that verse in Corinthians? You know, no eye has seen, no, nor ear has heard, nor mind can comprehend uh, what God has in store for those who love him. It's just, we, we can't know. We can know glimpses from Revelation, you know, what we're going to experience if the rapture happens. We're going to be with him immediately. We're going to have a seven-year marriage supper of the Lamb. <sighs> and then we're going to come back ruling and reigning with him. I just studied the book of Daniel with some teenagers. And it says over and over in, in there that we're going to rule and reign. His saints are going to be in the kingdom ruling and reigning with Christ. That's blows my mind and it's really hard to absorb some days especially when I'm failing and I'm weak and I'm feeling uh Lord what are you doing with me I just can you just take me because I'm not sure I can do another day you know those days that you have and you just re remember the promises this isn't all there is this is the training ground. This is the passing through. We're pilgrims. This is just getting ready. This is preparation. And boy, we've just got riches to experience and search out our whole eternity. So grace, we need it every day to endure hard circumstances, to have the grace for our families, even when we're weary and body, soul, or spirit, you know, we might be weary, wounded. Um, but Lord, the Lord gives us the grace to, to minister right where we're at. We have, I, I love Martin Luther said, um, we only have today and that day. So we have today, ladies. And even when I go home, I'm going to ask, Lord, Lord, please just help me to minister to my children. Give me strength and energy with my health that isn't always strong. Um, and let me pretend, have me, help me to live like today's the only day I have. Because it might be, I mean, here on earth. So, um, yeah. So I want to keep my eyes on him. Today and that day. Okay, so suffering. Um, so, wow. You know, we, <laughs> there's the, that, uh, where is it? It's in Luke. And it's interesting that this verse I'm going to share with you here is from the book of Luke. It's not in, uh, okay, so it's in Matthew and Mark. You know how there's the congruency of the Gospels. Um, but there's a little phrase in this. Do you remember the verse that says, No one who has left fathers, mothers, houses, or lands um, will, anyone who's done that will experience a hundred times that 
a hundred times the blessing. Mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, lands, farms. And in Luke, it says, along with persecutions. <laughs> and we're like, oh, I liked that verse until then. But, um, you know, and Paul, you know, who was uh, Paul's doctor? Do you guys? Luke. So it's interesting. Luke would know firsthand the wounds and the pain of Paul's suffering. So it's interesting. He put in along with persecutions just to keep us grounded that this is our Christian walk. You know, um, we are called to suffer. John, um, the book of John says in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Second Timothy said, anyone says anyone who desires to live godly will suffer persecution and we might say, I don't know if I like that. But, you know, Peter, when Jesus was teaching some hard things, the disciples started to one by one kind of leave. And, and Jesus looked at Peter and said, are you going to leave me too? And do you guys remember Peter's response? Where can I go, Lord? For you have the words of eternal life. So we have eternal life and we have his word and his promises. He had, he's given us everything. So where can we go? So... I kind of changed, so I want to change the title of this message to great Grace to Suffer Well, um, because we need grace to endure. Uh, no one knew grace like Paul. No one knew suffering like Paul. So I want to take a look at Paul real quick. Can we just flip back to Acts chapter 9, and I'll kind of summarize his, this is his conversion story. So if you go to the book of Acts chapter 9, the very first verse, it'll just refresh us in this awesome author of Ephesians that we're studying right now. And I felt like all week the Lord kept bringing me back to Acts. And I kept reading about Paul. And I kept reading about what suffering he went through and the uh, relentless pursuit of the gospel that he continually was sharing and with whoever would listen and and then the persecution and the attack and everyone tried to kill him in that whole process and I and some of the statements he made which I'll share in a moment just blew my mind I'd forgotten a couple of them and I was like thank you Lord because I really needed that this season of my life and so Acts chapter 9, and uh, let me explain. No, let me sum up. So, <laughs> so Saul, he's originally Saul. You guys know that. Verse 1, still breathing threats and murder. So he's relentlessly pursuing Christians right now. So he's Saul, uh, the persecutor of Christians. He's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that was the Christian church being born, both men and women, he might bring them to bound to Jerusalem. And as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. So then he goes to Damascus. This is his road to Damascus conversion. And there's a man there named Ananias who comes and prays for Paul. God tells Ananias, I want you to go pray for, I'm sorry, he's Saul still. And so an Ananias reaction, which we would react to the same way, you've got to be kidding me, Lord. 
This is the man who has persecuted everyone who loves you. But God says, you must go, verse 15, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Now get this, verse 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So the call to suffer. And Paul was the one called. So, and he immediately got up and he started sharing, it says a little bit later. Now, so Paul was called to suffer for Jesus' namesake. And Acts uh, chapters 18 through 22 are specific about his missionary journeys and about, um, about the things he suffered. And there were, there were Jewish uh, high priests and Jews that would travel miles just to find Paul and try to kill him. One account, there was a 60-mile distance. My husband looked it up. I didn't look that up. But it was from this city to another city. Um, I'm so sorry. I can't remember which chapter. I think it might be 21. But uh, so the Jews and the Jewish leaders were relentlessly pursuing Paul. Um, they didn't believe Paul, uh, and they didn't want to believe the Jesus that Paul was preaching. And he so desperately wanted to reach the Jews. But God told him in those chapters, God told, came to Paul and said, um, no, you must go to the Gentiles. And so, um, so Paul says in Acts 20, 24, in the midst of all this being pursued, relentlessly attacked, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And you remember where it says, Paul, he fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. He, he fought, um, you know, and again, we don't want to do it in our own flesh, our own strength. It's not by my, not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. But Paul had the spirit of God. He had the spirit of God on him. And he said in Acts 21, 13, I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And chains did await him at Jerusalem and at Rome, which is where he is imprisoned when he's writing the book of Ephesians. So... Okay, so that was a big introduction. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, and let's just look a little bit more at this grace that Paul was given um, to share with the Gentiles. Grace and suffering, but he received such grace. And I would just want to read uh, maybe 1 through 13. And it's funny because I was skimming it over and I thought, I've never really read this part of Ephesians. You know, you go to the prayers of Paul and you go to the armor of God and how to walk in chapters 4 and 5 and the gospel in 2 and 3. Just I just never really noticed it before. So I think it's exciting that we are going to see some amazing grace in chapter 3. So let's just start with verse 1. Um, for this reason, I, Paul, and I love how that was the same, Rebecca, in verse 4 that you shared. He's a prisoner of the Lord. He opens up both those chapters. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. For who? For the Gentiles. For the sake of you Gentiles. So he's a prisoner, not of Rome, not of the Jewish high priests, but of Christ. And he is not bound by chains, but he's only bound in his heart in his heart of dedication to Jesus. And so 
let's continue just reading. So he is a uh, prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles, for the sake of the Gentiles. Now let's just read um, <laughs> 2 through 8. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, when you read, you can under, wait, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. And here's the mystery. So that's Paul's run-on sentence there. Verse 6, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body of Christ and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Woo! That's where we cheer. <laughs> um, so, again, this grace was given to Paul for the Gentiles. Now, we might think... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we've heard this. And, and the Gentiles were, even in the Old Testament, it was no surprise that Gentiles were welcome into the kingdom of God. Um, we have examples, Rahab, we have Ruth. We have different examples of, of non-Jews um, getting radically um, swept away into this glorious um, idea of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so... That's not the surprise, but the, the, the secret is, the mystery, is that God would bring in the Gentiles and leave them Gentiles. They didn't have to do the Jewish rituals. They didn't have to get circumcised. We ladies wouldn't have to worry about that, but we wouldn't have to follow all the laws and the eating rituals. We just come, come as we are. And so the secret is that you could just come to Jesus and as a Gentile and not have to get, not have to go to school and learn all the Judaistic uh, rituals because the message to the Gentiles from the Judaistic world was stay out. You know, we've got the rules, we've got the law, we've got the, we've got the, the secret of God. And they did. They had the, the um, glories of God given to them. And so, but there was none of that work that needed to be done, just coming. And so Paul says, no, you're brought in, you're accepted in the beloved, like chapter 1 says. We're accepted in the beloved, Jesus Christ. And so verse 8, just check that out with me again. Um, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. There it is again, the riches of Christ Unsearchable is another uh, term that a different version used. Um, and we will be searching those out forever. Um, so Jesus has broken down every wall. And that's in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, Paul says there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And, I, and chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, it talks about how he broke down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. And so there's no, there's no wall anymore. And so for us, the application too is there's no social or economic or um, there's no race boundary. So we're all one in Christ. We're this new, we're like a third 
uh, race, right? So there's the Jew, the Gentile, and there is the body of Christ. And it's a glorious, uh, it's just a glory, a mind blower, really. And so now let's just read really quickly verses 9 through 12. And I just want to focus on 12 and 13, and I'll close it out. But so the, uh, let's see. So the mystery, hold on to that. Um, verse 9. So Paul is saying, I will bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Okay, I just have to pause there because um, when it says in verse 9, to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages had been hidden in God. So if you think about that too, what a privilege we have as believers, as living in this age that we're in, um, of knowing this uh, beautiful mystery of the salvation through faith, through the blood of Christ. Because, um, you know, the prophets of old, Isaiah, Jeremiah, even John the Baptist, they didn't know this mystery. It wasn't revealed yet. And so that's the idea of a mystery. It's something that has been hidden and that must now be revealed. And it is only revealed by God. And so this is pretty amazing. This is worth cheering for, too, that we're, we're in such a privileged age. And it's been revealed to us. So... Okay, and verse 11, 12, let's just do 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out, the Lord carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the Father carried out. So, um, oh, I skipped 10. Did I skip 10? Okay, there's a point I want to make there. Sorry, verse 10. <laughs> I knew there was something. Um, so, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. How is it made known? How is this wisdom of God being made known now? The church. Yes. What a privilege. And who's it being made, who is it being made known to? Yes. So basically angelic beings, good or bad. And this verse used to kind of, uh, I was intimidated by it. I was kind of nervous about it because I was like, I don't want them watching me. You know, are they watching me and all my failures and my weaknesses? And then I heard this sweet pastor sharing about um, this is, uh, so they are watching you, yes. But they are, they are pondering and wondering, how does she uh, still have this faith? I mean, we, we angels, we have seen God. We've seen him with our eyes. We've seen the train of his robe. We've seen him sitting on his throne. And, um, but these, this young lady here, <laughs> she hasn't seen him, and yet she still trusts him. She gets up every time. The righteous fall, right? And they get up every time, the word says. And so in my weakness, then I just can glory in that, that, okay, they're seeing that even though I failed, I'm getting back up and I'm coming to Christ and I'm coming over and over again and I'm going to trust him and I'm worshiping him. And they're just in awe of that is how this pastor said it. I'm not saying from experience, I haven't talked to any angels or anything, but it was just so neat how he said, you know, they are probably um, 
kind of their jaws are dropping like, wow, they're really trusting God. And they've never seen him, but we have. So I just had to make that point because I thought that was special. Um, and so 11 again, so this is the eternal purpose. Uh, it's all about God's purpose, the purpose of the ages. Okay, and verse 12 and 13. So in whom we have boldness. So this is what we get now. Now we're getting to the application. In whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations, Paul says, on your behalf, for they are for your glory. So I love these two verses. I love, first of all, that verse 12, it reminds me of that verse in Hebrews. You guys probably are going there in your minds, too, that we can come. Was it? Who said that, Aaron? Come boldly to the throne of grace. So God is in uh, Hebrews, he's explaining that Jesus is our high priest, that he sympathizes. Um, he is, he is um, worthy to be our high priest because he um, humbled himself and he can sympathize with our weakness. And so after he explains all that about Jesus to us in the book of Hebrews, whether it's Paul or whoever that author was, so then he goes on to say, therefore, um, come boldly to the throne of grace to receive uh, mercy and grace to help in your time of need. So we are called, we are beckoned and um, to come. And so then Paul finishes and says, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf. And this is what I want to get to too. This is, Paul is our beautiful example. I think I skipped some verses that I want to share about his love for, um, for God's people his love for Jesus and then his love and his sacrifice to um, see others come uh, to Jesus. So let me find those because there are some verses that are pretty awesome. Um, let's go to 2 Corinthians real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So not too far, be, not too far back from Ephesians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's just start in uh, 11 and 12. Nope, we just need to start at 7. <laughs> we have this treasure, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And here's Paul's description of what, what we and what he, especially he, had gone through. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down and not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us but life in you. And I love that. So death works in us, but life in you. And the and Paul and and the other um, disciples of Jesus' day truly did um, sacrifice their lives. All of them martyred, except for was it John? Um, so anyway, I just uh, I love that we're being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so the life of Jesus may be manifested in our flesh. 
and it's all for um, it's all for others to be saved. Paul says, "I become all things to all men. I want to become all things to all men, that by any means some may be saved." And he also says, um, "I think it's over in the other chapter. Where is that one?" Um, 2 Corinthians 12, you don't need to go there, but it's 15. If you want to jot down 2 Corinthians 12, 15, Paul says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. So such love and grace that Paul had for others. I'm going to flip over to you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. And this is where Paul is... Um, He's going to present us with the rapture soon in, in Thessalonians here, but he's, he says in verse uh, 19 of 1 Thessalonians 2, For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. And he's speaking this to the Gentiles and to others that he's sharing um, the Lord with. So he's calling them his glory and his joy. Then 1 Thessalonians 3, 7 and 8. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. So what love and grace Paul had for others and um, for us. And we are so thankful for God using Paul to bring us this beautiful salvation. Um, my husband and I have this saying, um, we need to believe the promises of God in spite of ourselves so that others may be saved. Because there's going to be times where you're not going to think that I don't know if I can be used, Lord. I'm just, I'm unworthy. I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm weary. But we believe him. We believe God's promises in spite of ourselves so that others may be saved. And how do we keep serving the Lord? How do we keep giving when we're weary? How do we um, share the gospel with perse perseverance and, um, and the persecution that may get worse in the very near future? Um, well, there's some beautiful verses about, I think the key that we've all hit on today is to keep coming to him. Keep coming to Jesus. Um, Matthew 11, 28, 29. You know, come all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, my yoke is easy. My burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. And I love um, Psalm 23 that um, Aaron picked for this time together because Psalm 23 where it says... Um, he restores our souls, and he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I just love that because our souls took a huge hit in the garden. You know, if we were there, we would have sinned too. But with the gar in the garden with Adam and Eve, and then all of a sudden we realize we're, we're naked. We realize that we're, um, we're not glorious anymore. We're not spirit in control of our souls and our bodies. It's now... Uh, the soul is kind of in control of the body and the spirit is, you know, under. And that's, that's how it starts, right? When we're dead in Christ. But when we come alive in Christ, it's back up the right way again. Spirit, soul, and body. Praise you, Lord. 
So we can just come. Um, Ephesians 3.18. Uh, no, that's not it. I think it's 2 Corinthians 3.18. Um, talks about how we are beholding the Lord um, as in a mirror. Uh, never mind. I'm going to go to it because I, I don't have it. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And I love that verse because it's um, only by looking to the Lord are we going to be changed from glory to glory. And that's, and that's the greatest joy is seeing the transforming work of His Spirit in our lives where we are closer to Him, trusting in Him. Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him suffered the cross, endured its shame. And um, we're that joy. We're that joy of Jesus. He did it for us. He did it for you and for me. And he's glorious. Um, I have to share one more uh, verse. Actually, two more. Sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. If you want to jot those down or go there. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. So Paul is talking right now in this chapter about the thorn in his side and how he implored the Lord, verse 8, three times that it might leave him, this thorn of the flesh. And verse 9, but he has said, the Lord has said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And there's a sweet psalm. So write down Psalm 131, and then I'll close. I'm so sorry, Aaron. Have I gone over? Probably. Um, so Psalm 131. So it's all about that humility coming before the Lord as we are. Oh, Lord, my heart is not proud. It's only a three-verse psalm, so don't worry. It's not Psalm 119. <laughs> so, oh, Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against its mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. Oh, Israel, and put your name in there. Oh, Lori, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. And I love that psalm. I could read it every day because it just reminds us to be still and know that he is God. He is the lover of our souls. He's restoring our souls day by day through the word, through prayer, by his Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? Thank you.